Good morning. My name is Mark Trinkle. I'm the lead pastor here at Durham Alliance Church. And today we continue our series, Welcome, Opening Our Life to God and Others. And today the title is An Invitation Home. An Invitation Home. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray that you would burn in us this idea of home, that you have given us an invitation home and that we can in turn invite others into our homes to see your transformation. Father, may you meet with us this morning and may you lead and guide us to be people who give invitations home. Remove me and allow people to see you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Where did this idea of home come from? A place, a space to call your own, where you go back to at night and rise every morning. A place where memories are built, sorrows are shared, children grow up. A place you call home. From the very beginning, God had the idea of home. He created a physical space for you and I. We read in Genesis 2.8, Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. God, in his creation, gave humanity a specific place and location to call home. As we read through the Bible, God continues this theme of home. God tells Noah to build a temporary home, an ark for his family and all the animals to preserve them during a worldwide flood. God promises a physical home to the Israelites through Abraham, and he even gives instructions for a physical home for himself, for God in the middle of the nation of Israel. First, this was a tent provided for God, and then later on, it was a temple. God, from the very beginning, has designed us for home, and he gives us an invitation home. The word home probably conjures up all sorts of memories and ideas for you. On one side, you have people where home is warm, welcoming, safe, and people who are opening their homes every week to friends, neighbors, small groups, parties. You might have woke up at your home this morning and saw somebody sleeping on the couch, and that was completely normal. It's like you're running a free Airbnb. For others, you have a door that looks like this, locked, bolted, and anyone without the same DNA is not coming in your home. Then you have many people in between, where there's space, but there's boundaries and there's sort of ebbs and flows of people in and out of your home. Or maybe you're in a situation where you have more or less control over who comes into your home or space. As a child, your parents set those parameters. Or if you have a room or simply live in a dorm room, there are certain expectations about the place you call home. What I want you to hear this morning is God created the idea of home. And God is asking you to welcome others into your home. An invitation home is not simply opening a physical door. It is opening your life and your space to God and people to experience his transformation. So how do we practice an invitation home for others? Now, what I'm going to say next is not gospel, but it's some suggestions to help you open your home in a way that can allow for God's transformation. So first, we should provide an invitation home to your home. Not to somebody else's home, but to your home. And when I say your home, I mean your home. Your home might be big or small, one room, an apartment, a townhouse, single family, mansion, trailer, boat, tent, or some other space you call home. 
I just saw this last week, a floating tent that you could get for your home. Just don't put it on a river. It's probably better in a lake. An invitation home can be a wonderful or scary experience for you. If you're somebody who overthinks things, you might have ideas go through your head like, what does this person think of my home? Is their perspective changed about me for good or bad because of my home? Did I clean or cook right in my home? What about the decorations in my home? Does my breath smell bad? Are they allergic to the animals in my home? And on and on and on. And we can overthink inviting people into our home and be paralyzed and never do it. When you invite someone into your home, you do take a risk. So why risk an invitation into your home? Isn't it easier to just keep people at arm's length? In some ways, yes. But if you want the richness and depth of a relationship, often it will take an invitation into your home. When plans were made for small groups for this semester at the church here, after assessing the end of the semester uh, surveys, Jen discovered that the best place and the groups that seemed to be the most fruitful were ones that met in homes and shared a meal together. Why? Because both food and an invitation home seem like the best environment to invite God's transformation in our lives. Jesus often invited or was in, invited into people's homes. In the gospel, we, re, we read how Jesus himself did not have a home besides his childhood home. We never hear that he owned his own home. So when he traveled and lived, he stayed with people. People made space for Jesus in their homes. Lazarus, Mary, Martha, Simeon, and others all welcomed Jesus into their home. Even at his birth, he was a guest in somebody's home, if you consider a stable a part of that. At his death, he was laid in a borrowed tomb. It was normal for Jesus' life and his followers to be invited into other people's homes. Sometimes the disciples in Jesus' lodging simply was sleeping underneath the stars, but many times it was on the receiving end of Middle Eastern hospitality. Middle Eastern hospitality, it's normative to invite strangers into your house for food and shelter and rest. When I was in Israel for a month, at one period of time, we went door to door knocking on people's doors. And we were invited in more than once into kitchens and living rooms to share coffee or tea and snacks together with people that we didn't even know. It's built into Middle Eastern culture to provide hospitality, the love of strangers. Just like now, during Jesus' day, there were different in sizes of shapes that you could be invited into. Some were more or less conducive to having bigger, small groups of people. A simple Jewish home from that time was about 24 foot square, which is around 1,200 square feet, divided up between two floors. On the first floor, there was a stable, a kitchen, and a small courtyard. And then on the second floor was the living space and sleeping space with access to the roof for very hot days. 
If you ever have heard the statement, I feel like I live with animals, that would have been the reality for many first century Jews. Now, there were also larger homes that could accommodate three generations and provide more space for guests. Some people's homes were even home synagogues or home churches, and these were even larger. A few of these home churches are referenced throughout the pages of Scripture. The oldest house church ever discovered is in Dura Europa, Syria. This house church held over 60 people and it was about a 60-foot square, which translates to, uh, to about 3,600 square feet. This was a home and church together. And an invitation home in the early church could mean an invitation to church also. Do you know that it was not until the late 3rd or 4th century that buildings specifically built for churches came into being? A home is a powerful place for God's transformation. And, the, and for the first two to 300 years of the church, this was the predominant primary place for God's people to meet. Yes, they met in temples and synagogues at times, but the home was the primary place to experience God's transformation together. There's something about going into someone's home that is different than meeting someone in public space. When you walk into somebody's home, you see a bit more of who they are. Their furnishings and decorations, pictures on the walls. At home, you let your guard down. People get to see a little bit more of who you are. And when I invite someone into my home, I'm saying, I trust you. And I'm allowing you to see a little bit more of who I am. I'm saying I'm okay with you seeing my space and recognizing that I'm far from perfect. When I was in Cambodia this summer, we were invited into the home of some of the children and workers. I remember walking through this home of seven girls who lived in a floating village. Now their home was kind of like the early house churches from the first to third century. This floating house consisted of a church up front and cooking space in the back and a bathroom in there too. And then you go upstairs and these seven girls live together in one room. By being allowed into their space, it allowed the team and I to better understand a bit more about daily life and connect with them in a greater manner. When was the last time you were invited into somebody's home? Or when was the last time you gave an invitation for somebody to come to your home? I know for many of you, it was yesterday or today or this week, and it's incredible to hear all the people in this church who are inviting others into their homes. And I'm amazed and excited to see how open you are to others. For others, this is tough. And there are many reasons why you might not be inviting people into your home. What I'm simply asking you today is consider just consider taking a step, a risk, and providing an invitation home to your home for someone else. Now, second, we need to make an invitation home according to your season. According to your season. Each one of us is in a certain season of life. You might be a kid, a student, single, married, children at home, or empty nesters. Maybe it's a busy season of work, or your house is full or empty, clean or dirty, fixed or broken, tidy or cluttered. 
each season of life, calendar, focus, and priority provides unique challenges and opportunities to provide an invitation home. As you heard Sarah share this morning about how her extended family was living with her for six months, and now that they have moved on, she has more space to provide an invitation home again. I'm currently in a season of life where I have four children between the ages of kindergarten and sixth grade. Life is full. My house is full. So we have people over, but not all the time. So in this season of life, sometimes people are invited over and other times I invite people out. I try to strategically make the most of every season and not feel guilty about the season I am in. Don't hear this morning, you need to do more. Instead, hear an invitation to a greater depth of relationship with others. What is the season of life that you are in? How can you make the most of your home according to that season? I've often heard this idea of when I get to a different season of life, then I can do it. Instead of embracing the home and the season of life God has given you now, think creatively. See how or when you can make space in your home according to the season you are in. And I believe you will see God's transformative work through that. For some of you, your home might not be a peaceful place currently. And when you think of inviting someone in, you might say to yourself, no way, not in this season. My home is a place of conflict, tension, anger, and chaos. And if this is your home, I would encourage you to ask for help. Figure out how to bring peace in your home. God's heart for your home is to be a place of peace, refuge for both you and others. Look at the season of life you're in and offer an invitation home according to your season. And finally, offer an invitation home by changing your assumptions. We live in a place in time that is much about appearance. You look at perfect pictures and videos on Instagram and Facebook, or you've been invited into someone's home which is perfect and pristine. I have been in homes like that, that are mansions with catered meals that look perfect. That is not my home. Or maybe growing up, you had this guest and host paradigm that when somebody came over, it had to be like this five-star restaurant with your guests, guests served hand and foot. Many of our assumptions come from our family of origin, how it functioned growing up. If there was a door wide open, your door is probably open now. If you grew up with a closed, dead bolted door, your door is probably closed now. If the house was clean or cluttered for guests or more formal or informal, that all affects how we look at opening our homes to others. For me, growing up, our home was clean but there were four kids, so it was a bit cluttered. But my parents invited people over on a regular basis. It was normal for me and normal to see other people around. And this has shaped who I am. This might not be your experience, but we can change our assumptions about what it means to invite people into our homes. So first, here's one of the assumptions we can change. Think friend instead of guest and host. Think friend instead of guest and host. When someone comes over, it's easy to think that we need to entertain, to have everything perfect and put together and to serve as a host for a guest. 
There's nothing wrong with that paradigm, but it creates more work and pressure than necessary. If we change our thinking to look at whoever comes over as a friend, the expectation becomes more realistic. When a friend comes over, you might ask them to pick something up at the store on the way. Or if they walk in and everything isn't prepared yet, you might ask them to chip in and help prepare. I have kids at my house. And when you come over to my house, you will discover things. Books, toys, clothes, food, that they move around our house without me moving it. And if you come over, you might discover something unexpected. Currently, I have a hole in a wall that needs to be patched from a wrestling match. Or you might sit down on my couch and accidentally stick your fingers in that crack there, being brave, and come out with something that I wasn't wanting you to discover. Will I be highly embarrassed? No. Did I try to leave it there for you? No. Am I okay that you found it? Sure, because I'm human and there are five other humans living in this house and no one is perfect. So let's just be friends instead of creating a guest and host paradigm. Another way we can change our assumptions is about time. It's okay to set time limits. The U.S. in general is a time-orientated culture. But even in our church here, we come from many different cultures with many different relationships with time. Some are more time-orientated, some are more people-orientated, but I believe that we can say it's okay to set time limits. If we respect and think the best about each other, we are going to be willing to be flexible and understanding even with how we set time limits. I would rather have people know when they should come or when they should leave because what that does for me, it creates a level of understanding, communication, and also hopefully leaves somebody wanting more when they leave. I can invite somebody over and say, please show up at 6 and around 8.30 we're going to be winding down and putting our kids down, so that'd be great if you could just move on around then. It's okay to put a start and end time. And like I said, it's always better to leave wanting more than less. A third assumption we need to change is to be gracious and not picky. I know everyone has an opinion about everything, but be aware of how you come off to others. When you go over, over to somebody's home and they set food in front of you that is not what you expected, looks different or smells different, just recognize this might be somebody's soul food. And if you go, ew, what is this? You might have just burned part of a relational bridge. With different homes, the condition of the home will be different. Or if somebody shows up with a gift for you and it's something that you really don't like, please accept it graciously and not communicate pickiness. When I moved to Korea for a semester, I made a decision before I got on the plane, before I got on the plane, that whatever was set in front of me, I would eat it, whatever. No asterisk, whatever was set in front of me, I would eat. And I ate some things I never thought I would eat. Before I went to Korea, I came from more of a Germanic Midwest culture of 
more bland food. And now here I am in Asia eating spicy food. I have probably never sweated that much in my whole life. But what I discovered is there is food that I learned to love that I never would have tried if I was simply picky. And I can tell you that on more than one occasion, by simply eating what was put in front of me, I established more of a relational connection with the people sitting across from me. Be gracious, not picky. And I hope you hear my heart today, not of pressure or guilt, but that your home or being invited into somebody else's home is a powerful opportunity to welcome God and his transformation in our lives. This is what Jesus did for us. We read in John 1.14 that, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Jesus came and displayed God's glory by making his home among us. He joined us in this earthly home. He left his heavenly home, and he came to relate to us, to understand us, and walk with us in this earthly home. But he did not just come to our home. He invites himself into our home, our physical and spiritual home, our body. In John, 1, 4, John 14, 23, we read, Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. What an incredible picture of the relationship that God wants with us. That Jesus says that he invites himself the Father, and at other points in Scripture, we can read that the Spirit comes to live within us. In a sense, all the fullness of God comes to live within our lives and make His home within us. From the very beginning, God created home, a physical home, a spiritual home within us. And finally, we read that He has created an eternal home for all of those who say yes to Jesus. John 14, 2, we read, there is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? No matter how good or bad, no matter how good or bad your home is here, there is an eternal, perfect home that Jesus has gone to prepare for us. You simply have to say yes to Jesus. An invitation home is a demonstration of the very nature of God. God created a home for us at the very beginning. God created a space within each one of us to make his home within us. God has prepared an eternal home for all who have said yes to Jesus. And I believe by inviting people into our homes, we are functioning and demonstrating the very nature of God. If you have not invited Jesus into your life, I would encourage you to invite him into your body, your home, your spiritual life. And if you are inviting people into your home already, please continue to do that. And look for how God can use that in a transformative way in your life and theirs. And if you're not currently inviting people into your home, I'd encourage you to just consider it. 
and consider how an invitation home could be part of welcoming both God and others into your life in a potentially more deeper and profound way. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are the one who has created a home. You created this planet as a home for us. You have created a God-shaped hole within us that it provides a home for you when we invite you in. You have promised an eternal home for us. And now in that in-between, as we live out here, God, may we be invitational in inviting people into our homes to see your transformation happen both in their lives and ours. God, we're grateful how you have provided the whole concept of home. And may our homes be a powerful place for spiritual transformation. In Jesus' name, amen.